a special Martin Luther King Day edition of Mountain Talk. I'm your host, Rachel Geringer. I was joined in the studio this afternoon by William Isom, Taryn Young, Willie Dodson, and Marley Green, who shared stories about the work they are doing to register and document forgotten black cemeteries in Southwest Virginia, and to reshape narratives of Central Appalachia in order to include the histories and voices of black communities that were and are nestled throughout these hills. First of all, thank you all for coming in today. And if we could start with introductions, so maybe we'll start with you, Willie, and you can just kind of introduce yourself and what you're up to in the region. Sure. So my name is Willie Dotson, and I, uh, I live in Powell Valley in between Big Stone Gap and Norton in Wise County. I work for Appalachian Voices um, out of our office in Norton. I'm the Central Appalachian uh, Field Coordinator for App Voices, which means that most of my job has to do with um, documenting problems associated with strip mines and other aspects of coal mining and then trying to help community members um, uh, get their issues addressed, you know, when when they're having problems with dust or their wells being impacted or the, you know, the myriad of of things that that we know happens with large-scale strip mining. And for listeners who don't know, could you just explain a little bit about App Voices broadly? Sure. It's a regional uh, environmental organization that here lately is also starting to do some economic diversification work, particularly in southwestern Virginia, you know, where the kind of coal mono economy um, uh, has has fallen back so much. Um, in other parts of the central Appalachian region and also kind of the eastern Piedmont area um, in like uh, Virginia and North Carolina, we work on um, fighting uh, unnecessary natural gas pipeline development. We work in the rural electric co-ops in East Tennessee and Western North Carolina to uh, help folks convince their co-op boards to provide a funding mechanism for weatherization and energy efficiency, energy efficiency and stuff like that. So basically we work throughout Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Kentucky, and North Carolina at the intersection of energy uh, and the environment. Great. Thanks. And Taryn, what about you? You want to introduce kind of yourself and what you're up to in the region? And I am Taryn Young. I live in Big Stone Gap, Virginia, a former Highlander Appalachian Transition Fellow where I worked on the land study for the past year. Um, I'm a board member of Southern Appalachian Mountain Stewards, 
and a staff writer for the Coalfield Progress, The Post, and the Dickinson Star in Southwest Virginia. Awesome. Could you talk a little bit more about the land study that you were working on? Well, the land study was originally done back in the late 70s, looking at the patterns of land ownership around um, central Appalachia. Most of the region is owned by outside corporations outside of um, central Appalachia, um, usually by companies in Pittsburgh, companies in all over Texas. So we're just looking at that looking at um, mountaintop removal, timbering, and things that are happening in the region that the local people don't really have a say-so. So that's what the land study focuses on. Great. Thank you. All right. You want to go next? Uh, hey, I'm William Isom. I'm from uh, Morristown, Tennessee, and I live in Knoxville, Tennessee. I work with uh, East Tennessee PBS, Public Television in Knoxville, and uh, there I do uh, after-school media programs with high school students in Knoxville and in Campbell County, Tennessee. And uh, also, uh, my title is Community Outreach, Director of Community Outreach, and uh, I also do film screenings out in the community. Um, and. Um, I'm also engaged there around a um, uh, documentary project uh, we're calling Black in Appalachia, which is to kind of raise the visibility and help document and provide support for securing the narrative of black folks in Appalachia, in the Appalachian region. And um, yeah, and I also um, uh, help, I work with the, the rural broadband campaign in East Tennessee, trying to find some solutions to internet access in, in rural East Tennessee. Um, Great. And Marley, you want to introduce yourself too? Sure. Um, I'm Marley Green, and I live in the town of Pound over in Wise County, um, and, but I work here at the Apple Shop as a community development worker. And so I work on uh, a few different projects right now, all focused on how Apple Shop can support sort of economic and community development um, in our region, uh, particularly here in, in Letcher County and, and far southwest Virginia, um, and so that we can improve our quality of life and our um, livability while also hopefully bringing in new economic opportunities to the area. Um, Great. Well, let's, um, so, so we're all here today on, on Martin Luther King Day, um, recording in the studio. It's a full studio. Um, <laughs> and, and part of the reason we wanted to bring you all in is to talk about some of the work that's just starting around um, black cemeteries in southwestern Virginia. And I do want to come back to sort of your research, Will, and your documentary, but I wonder if that'll come up kind of in the conversation around, um, around narratives, around black communities in the region, around histories um, of of black communities in the region. So um, maybe we, we talked just a little bit about how you all got started in this, but I wonder if we could start with kind of what what is what is this that brought you all together to start thinking around black cemeteries in Southwest Virginia? Well, kind of just the realization that there are quite a few black cemeteries in uh, in the area where, where Taryn and, and Marley and I live, um, 
that are just kind of being forgotten and grown over and um, not not being tended at all and and wanting to get together and you know make an effort to to change that um, to honor these uh, these people in these communities that built the world that we live in. And so you were telling a story about um, sort of how this started for you, how you got involved. I wonder if you could share that story now that we're recording again. Sure, yeah. With um, Appalachian Voices, uh, you know, my, my work is, is uh, in uh, the environmental sphere, you would say. And uh, some of my work has been up in the community of Haysai in Dickinson County, Virginia. Um, we uh, were looking at a big old gob pile right on the banks of the Russell Fork River um, in the community of Haysai, an old a little area called Splash Dam, which is actually a, the the community that predated Haysai, and Splash Dam is is really no longer there. It's just this little area along the river that um, for a long time was just this coal waste pile. This gob pile was just was really all that was there. Um, and a, a community member up there um, had called our office and informed us about it and said, you know, it's eroding into the river. And, and he was actually a, a um, mine reclamation worker. And he was like, we, we need to get some, uh, some abandoned mine land money or some brownfields money or something and get this, get this thing cleaned up. You know, he knew a little bit about how that, how that world worked, um, how all those, those funds worked and stuff. So I went up there. And met him and and looked at it and then kind of started telling some other folks I, I work with about it and um, just kind of keeping an eye on it and uh, trying to get more information and make more connections and at one point uh, a fella up there who's become a friend of mine in the course of my work his name is Gene Counts and he ran Friends of the Russell Fork uh, for for a long time um, he's a good guy he said oh you know Willie you'd be interested in this and just pointing the hillside he said there's a there's an old black cemetery in the in the woods right up there and I said I am interested in that well let's go up there and and so we scrambled up into the woods and um, found these stones that were like concrete uh, just in you know unmarked stones really old you know and and it got to they were so old and they were unmarked so that it was even hard to differentiate between what was a stone like a, a tombstone and what was just a rock in the hillside at some point um, some were clear, some were not. There was only one that had any writing on it. And what I could make out from the from the, the writing on it, it said Ike Shade was the fellow's name. And it said what year he was born and what year he was di- he had died. And then it said TB uh, on the bottom, tuberculosis. And it also said, next to died, it said Hayside, Virginia, or Dickinson County, Virginia, something like that, and next to where it was born, where he was born, it was hard to make out um, exactly what it was, but it was somewhere in North Carolina, and it kind of looked like um, maybe Watauga, which is the county that Boone is in, um, and this was the, the, the death of this person was around the 30s, um, and I thought that kind of made sense when you think of what kind of distance folks would have been able to travel, especially black folks in those days. That's really not that far from Watauga County to, to Dickinson County. Um, so I took a bunch of pictures and uh, thought, well, this is, you know, this is fascinating and this should be documented and um, started contacting folks who I thought 
might be interested in documenting it. Um, I contacted Ron and Jill Carson with the African American Appalachian Cultural Center uh, down in uh, Lee County, Virginia. I contacted a professor of mine from Berea College named Bill Turner, who literally wrote the book, Blacks in Appalachia. I believe that's his book anyway. Um, I contacted, you know, some app studies professors, basically, and students at Radford, at UVA Wise, at Berea, at just ETSU, I think, wherever I could think of, to say, hey, this is up here. Um, somebody should document this. Any of y'all got a student who can, like, do some oral histories or, you know, file, fill out this form with the state? And the initial response I got from pretty much everybody was, you know, we're all tied up in all these other projects, but that really is interesting. And you know what? There's also a slave cemetery that's in that same situation in Jonesville. Or you know what? There's also a, a, a black cemetery that's in that same situation, you know, right outside of Norton. And so not only was I not finding people who could do the work of documenting this cemetery, my list of like cemeteries that needed to get documented just in my own mind grew to five cemeteries, to two in Norton, to one in Jonesville, one in Honeacre. And, and then the one the one in Haysai. Um, so I went ahead and contacted the state archivist with the Department of Historic Resources. His name is Quattro Hubbard um, over in Richmond and uh, asked him what to do. And he sent me the form to fill out. And, and I registered the one in Haysai and kind of, kind of, I don't know, I, I just put it on the back burner. I was just like, well, you know, well, hopefully something something will come of that. Um, and I don't really remember exactly how it picked back up again, uh, but Taryn was who had told me about two of those other cemeteries, the ones by Norton. Um, so at some point, Taryn showed me where those, where those were. Um, and uh, I, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't even really remember how the little snowball built. But at this point, there, all of us in the room are working on it. There's a grad student at Radford who's going to be doing some work on it. Um, we, uh, we're we going to be doing a panel about it at the App Studies Conference. And we're, you know, we're, we're organizing. We haven't got a whole lot done yet, but we're, we're getting organized and getting clear and, you know, taking the next steps to, to document these other cemeteries. Great. And so, Taryn, um, I guess... Are, what's your kind of connection to the project or your vision for the project um, and this work? It sounds like you all are kind of in a beginning stage of of like finding people who are interested, who who know things and sort of figuring out what comes next. But um, I'm curious. Yeah. Well, for me, it started um, probably about seven or eight years ago. I just began um, looking into my family history. And more is more of a spiritual thing of wanting to pay homage to my ancestors. Um, I knew that my grandmother was buried in um, one of the cemeteries in in Norton Chestnut Grove, and her grave was supposedly moved. So I just began looking into all kinds of whatever I could find, Ancestry.com, going to Norton. Um, the, the town trying to find information on graveyards um, going to the health department looking at death certificates so I have quite a few 
family members that were buried there. Um, my father's grandparents, his mother, on my mother's side, her father, um, brother were buried in that cemetery. And probably some people I don't even know. My great grandfather on my mother's side was buried there as well. Um, so it was something that I started looking into and kind of collecting a lot of documents and not getting anywhere. Couldn't even find the owner of the cemetery. Um, tried to find the owner of the land surrounding the cemetery. And um, I did, and they told me that they didn't have anything to do with those colored people's cemetery was the, the quote that I got. Um, so for a while there, I kind of gave up on trying to locate my grandmother's grave um, because she's not where she was supposedly moved. Um, so I kind of gave up on that. And one day I was in the App Voices office, which I worked out of for um, the Highlander Fellowship. And I overheard Willie talking about finding a black cemetery in Hayside and maybe wanting to do some work around it. So I was just like, hey, I know where these cemeteries are in Norton and I have some family members there and for me it was like a chance to get some resolution on you know the cemetery is a I don't want to say a mess but it's overgrown um, and pretty much forgotten and the opportunity to get students to help and maybe map out the graves and and write down who was where and things was kind of in my mind a way to you know pay homage to my ancestors and how did how did you get connected to the to this this work um specifically with with Taryn and Willie but also maybe it's connected to some of your larger research yeah <coughs> probably that's a big rabbit hole maybe we'll just stay to the cemetery-ish okay <laughs> um yeah, I think, uh, well, for me, I, you know, Willie sent me an email. Uh, well, I guess I should, I'll back up a little bit. But so I've been, you know, running around East Tennessee and doing a lot of documentation and research around, you know, the stories of black communities in Greenville or Morristown or Knoxville. And so I'd been like, you know, for a long time building like different stories around like these black community narratives that I was mostly familiar with because I'm from East Tennessee and so I'm from these areas. And so, but Willie had sent me an email and, and copied uh, Taryn and Marley on it and was saying, hey, uh, there's a cemetery in near Jonesville that we want to go look at. Do you want to go look at it with us? It's a slave cemetery. And I was like, yes, like I want to go uh, look at that cemetery with you guys. And so, uh, that's kind of how I got into it. I think uh, really just knowing that, that that's my area of interest and, and I'm not super familiar at all with just over the border in Lee County at all, that history, or, you know, what life was like on that side of the, of the border. And so we went and visited the this slave cemetery that was uh, on family land of a professor at University of Virginia Wise, um, Amy Carter, and it's on her family's land, and she's a descendant of the slave owner. And so she, that was really interesting to me, too, to be able to, like, 
you know, she's motivated to try to do something with it and or do what with it. Find out who's buried there, maybe try to clean it up and try to find some kind of like way to recognize that that space is there so it doesn't get taken over by the power company that's always coming through there and chopping brush down or moving stones around and things like that. And so I think for me personally, it become uh, a project to get to learn, uh, not having any real context for Lee County and particularly the black folks in Lee County. And, and so it became, for me, a way to begin to try to track back, not just who's buried there, but to track back why, why was that abandoned? Who were the, the black folks in this, this area? What was the, what was the narrative? Because ultimately my, what I do is like, I tell stories or try to tell stories in, in a way that, that people can understand the narrative. And so, yeah, I want to, I want to know like the fuller story about this area in Lee County. And, and I think that that's kind of how I came in and kind of how I'm moving around in this project. Okay. That professor's name is Amy Clark, not Amy Carter. Amy Clark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. Feels <laughs> worth saying. So Marley, um, how do you and and the Apple Shop fit into yeah. this at this point? Um, right. So as like William mentioned, he sort of. Um, well, when I first started working for Apple Shop just last summer um, as a community development worker, and that's a new position here at Apple Shop, and we're not really sure, sort of figuring out exactly what it means for Apple Shop to be involved in community development, um, and uh, sat down with Willie to, to talk about a lot of different things, and, and this was one that he had um, he brought up and, and was sort of looking into you know, whether there were ways that we could work on preserving or recording or memorializing these cemeteries and, and sort of lifting up the stories of, of um, black communities in the area. And it felt like that is part of what Apple Shop is here for. And the sort of community development work that we have historically done here at the shop is to lift up unheard stories or, or less heard stories or um, uh, to... Um, yeah, to tell the the sort of full, more full and rich uh, history of of Appalachia and story of Appalachia and of this region, and so it seemed like this was one way that um, that we could be leaning into, um, and especially in this sort of time we're in politically, um, it feels like uh, an important thing for you know a, a cultural organization here in Appalachia to be doing or. Um, uh, is is to sort of tell the the full story of Appalachia, and that includes, um, you know, these sort of the painful history and the the less told story of of Black folks and of these communities where, uh, you know, in Hayside and in Jonesville are are instances where you know there were um, uh, sort of um, vibrant Black communities at one point, and and um, they're less they're less there now, and and trying to pick apart that story can. Um, reveal some some hard truths. Um, I think one thing that we're starting to see in in the Lee County situation is that there was a really intense um, KKK activity in Lake Lee County and a sort of intentional pushing out of Black folks in the county. and And that's part of the story of why this cemetery in Jonesville is is not really taken care of now or is not um, 
you know, in, in better condition or, um, so it just, it felt like an opportunity and a chance for Apple shop to, um, lean into the political moment and also to just tell the fuller story of, um, of our region. Um, yeah. Great. Well, so, um, <clears throat> trying to think think this question into being <laughs> as I talk. <laughs> um, but, but Will, both you and Marley talked a little bit about stories and about narratives and about about um, how how this specific work around the cemeteries fits into larger larger narratives of the region and conversations around um, who and what is Appalachian. And so, I'm I'm wondering if you all could talk talk more or will I'm especially interested based on the work you're doing um to talk a little bit about like the connections between the stories we have and sort of histories around right like on MLK Day we think a lot about civil rights uh history we think a lot about um histories of like racial injustice and and like racial justice movements in the country and I wonder if there's like something you could talk about around the connection between narratives and stories and what is and isn't told and some of that broader history that's a really rambly big question but anything that comes to mind Uh, (laughs) or anybody else (laughs) yeah if anybody else wants to hop in on that you got something um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I just I ask think, you a really impossible question. <laughs> I think the work that Will is doing is, is very important just because when you think about the narrative of who and what is Appalachia, um, people of color aren't usually what you think of. Um, even with more popular works like um, Hillbilly Elegy and it just completely skips over a whole entire population of people. I was at ASA conference um, last year and someone asked the question of if Bristol Rhythm and Roots caters to the um, black population or people of color at all and a representative said, well, they're just like six or eight percent of the population and I I was actually infuriated by that to just be completely overlooked like well they're not important we don't have to we don't have to focus on them and the what was said was and that is black and everything else and so even within Appalachia we have this idea that there are no people of color in the region, um, and there are. My family has been in the region for over 100 years. There are families that have been in the region um, longer than that, and I just think it's important to have those stories told. Yeah, I think that uh, that that kind of erasure of black people in Appalachia's is one of the main reasons like I've personally have gotten into doing some of this trying to trying to make these stories more visible because the stories are are there um something Taryn said made me reminded me of uh, so I went to a historical I went to an archive recently and they had a whole section on Lee County and so I'm 
I'm like, oh, Lee County books. So I'm like going through the Lee County books and I'm flipping through it and I'm looking for, you know, I'm looking for black stories in Lee County schools, churches, you know, whatever, somebody getting baptized, call, you know, so I'm flipping through it and I'm, and I go through several different volumes and several different, you know, you know, the historical society books, there's like homemade books and then there's the nice thick hardback books and all, all varieties. And there was absolutely nothing that mentioned black people in Lee County at all. And the only reason that I know that that's not true is that Jill and Ron Carson have a building in Pennington Gap full of Lee County black history and Wise County black history and all these other counties. And so having known better, having been to Jill and Ron's place and saw what all that they have and talked to them, it it became a very furious kind of like flipping through the pages like like oh like this is this is done on purpose like it's easier to pretend like this never happened right I think um, for people and but so I say all that to say like it's really important to have places like the the Appalachian African American Cultural Center uh, because then you know better. And you actually have some material to stand on uh, when you're when you're telling these stories. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, so what is kind of um, like? What are the steps in in the work that you're doing right now? So, so one thing that you're working on is kind of um, getting places registered as historic sites. Yeah, there's a there's a state registry of cemeteries that is managed by the Department of Historic Resources, and it's 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 a fairly easy form, and it's just a matter of locating the cemeteries, um, you know, dropping a pin on Google Maps and having getting the lat long for it, drawing out a, a, a you know a rough map, making an estimate of of how many stones are there recording any information that may be on the stones, um, and a few other things, uh, you know, the, the date that where you observed it when, when, you were, when you were there, that sort of thing, and then sending it, sending it to, uh, to the Department of Historic Resources in Richmond, and that puts it on the registry. Um, so that's kind of the, the, bare, the bare minimum of just recording it and affording it some just recognition that a cemetery is there. The the only reason I knew when we came across this one, when, when Gene Count showed me that one in Haysai, about, oh, I need to contact the historic uh, department and fill, get that form and fill out that form, is because that process had crossed my radar maybe five years ago when the Southern Appalachian Mountain Stewards um, were fighting a mountaintop removal mine on Ison Rock Ridge. and some of the old folks who lived in the hollers on either side of of that permit were aware of cemeteries up on the ridge and if they're not registered and they're not recorded then it's just on the coal company's um, word to say whether it's there or not and so with the southern appalachian mountain stewards um, we were going to some of these uh, these local elders homes with big topo maps and getting them to show us where the cemetery the cemeteries were, and then getting like the four-wheeling dudes together and getting on the four-wheelers and going up to the ridge 
and fi- you know finding the the cemetery um and when i did that project with them which i was a really small part of i just helped out a couple of times but i was up there the day we found one of those cemeteries and the permit boundary for the strip mine was you know signs say permit boundary just right through the middle of the cemetery and it was clear that there was a cemetery there um but it really it took the the work of community people to to put it on to put it on the map so that it just wouldn't get mined through you know um so i really i'm not sure what extent of uh preservation is afforded to a cemetery by just getting it on that that registry but it's the it's you know, it's the first little step towards just acknowledging that it's that it's there. Some other some other work that we're um, we're hoping to whip up, and we're we're making a little bit of progress with regards to the Chestnut Grove um, Cemetery, Chestnut Grove mm-hmm. uh, in Norton, is having some oral histories, uh, oral history interviews conducted, and there's a a fella who works at Radford University um, and is also uh, getting himself a um, Appalachian Studies post-baccalaureate certificate over there at Radford under Teresa Burris is, leads up that department. Um, and Teresa is one of the folks who I initially had reached out to and she put me in touch with him. His name is Joseph Wilder and he's actually from Jonesville, from, from Lee County. And, and they worked it out for part of his app study certificate curriculum to be coming to Norton because he's going home between Radford and Jonesville every so often anyway to go through um, Norton and interview folks like Taryn's dad and some of the other local elders who have people in, in that cemetery. Um, and then once we get those uh, interviews recorded and transcribed, just getting them in, you know, in the archives, that that would be in archives at Radford. Hopefully, we can get them in archives at UVA Wise, since that's local. Get it, get a copy to Ron and Jill with the Cultural Center there in Jonesville. Um, yeah, so those are really the only two steps that that I can see in my mind is getting them registered with the state and then con- conducting and and archiving some interviews from folks whose families are there or remember services at these at these different cemeteries. And in terms of where we go from from there, I mean, I, I know I know I've got ideas, and and I think probably some others in the room do too. Taryn, I'm curious, um, since since it's like super personal for you, right? Like this is a cemetery, one of these cemeteries that you all have been talking about is like, I mean, you just mentioned like a lot of family members. It's not just one or two. Like, I wonder what like it, your ideal vision of what this work would would result in might be. Um. I think just getting it registered is a big first step. Um, And then slowly maybe clearing it out a little bit. It's not trash or anything like that. It's just kind of overgrown and forgotten. I think just something to let people know that there is a cemetery there. It's on the side of the um, four-lane highway going through Norton on a mountainside that if you didn't know it was there, you'd never know it was there. And some of the um, the graves and the headstones are visible from the road if you know to look there. Um, so just for me, it's just exciting to, you know, put some recognition on something that was forgotten. Yeah. What are, what are some other thoughts or 
things that have been talked about with what could come out of the work in addition to the things that you just mentioned? Can I jump in? Sure. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think we, we're trying to look around. I, this is not the only place where there have been black communities that were thriving and that um, racism or um, sort of the way history has gone, their, you know, their, their graveyards or their burial grounds or their cemeteries are now less kept up. I mean, this is a story that has happened throughout the United States, has happened throughout the South. Um, and so there are other instances um, in uh, ones that I've, I've sort of read the most about or learned the most about are in, in Richmond, Virginia and in Boone, North Carolina, um, where uh, folks have worked together to do oral histories to, to sort of preserve or, or um, you know, to, to clean them up from, from f clean cemeteries up and then to memorialize. Um, uh, so with some of these graveyards, there's um, less, um, they're, you know, they're field stones or um, they're not necessarily marked headstones. And so doing research into the families and the, and the folks that were, that were buried there um, and memorializing them with, uh, with a singular monument or a, or a stone of some sort that that says that you know these are these were real people that contributed to their community and to this place um, and these are some of their their names even if it's impossible to learn all of them because the records aren't there or because they've been destroyed or because their um, folks have have gone on uh, have moved away from the area but um, I think memorializing um, some of these, uh, cemeteries is is another um, place where this project could go. I mean, think particularly in um, in places like Lee County, uh, the cemetery that we looked at there, which you know could have been used from pre-war times through through the the late 1800s, um, where very few of the stones are marked, uh, if any. And so, doing research about the the folks who were there and then memorializing them um, seems like one one step. Um. I, I want to share just a quick little this is just little nothing that I think is 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 cool and and kind of kind of kind of funny and made me a little bit proud of just my my region um uh I I'm a big comedy nerd and I'm always watching comedy on YouTube and I was watching some stand-up comedy on YouTube and walked outside for something and when I came back in and it had like kept going with whatever the next um, you know, comedy videos that thinks I want to, to see are. And it was showing um, a clip from The Rundown with Robin Thede, which is like BET's late night comedy show. And it was a segment she was doing about how people who I don't know in Virginia and West Virginia are organizing to, to document black cemeteries. <laughs> Pretty much just exactly what, what we're just stumbling into is, is also happening in... Um, in these other parts of, of the region. It's just exciting to know about. That's awesome. I'm really <laughs> grateful for the like YouTube comedy turn in there. Too. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> you can always count on me for a YouTube comedy turn. <laughs> um, oh, well, go ahead. I, I think that, that that really has a good point because, and I think that there's a reason why this is happening right now and these cemeteries have been neglected until right now that you know, like my dad's generation was the last generation that lived through like legal formalized segregation, right? And they're the ones that largely left the farm and had to go get jobs out. And I think the previous generation, like my grandparents' generation, they didn't talk about it. They didn't want to talk about it. They didn't, 
It's like, well, just leave that back there. And then my dad's generation was the ones that they just worked. But now they're retiring. And I think that now, similar to how a lot of the Vietnam veterans are now retiring and those stories are becoming available and what happened to those veterans are becoming available to the broader society, that I think this similarly at the time is is now that like this couldn't have happened any earlier because people couldn't have engaged with, with it until now. That's just my perception. Well, I was thinking too, Marley, when you were talking about sort of like um, having these be registered places and, and having them be like known, uh, there being like a memorial to this this history that was there. Um, it's just, ma- it's making me think about like monuments and conversations around monuments or like what's recognized publicly, like his- like public history markers, right? In terms of how much talk there's been around not just talk action (laughs) literal removal of like confederate monuments all over the south in the past year um i don't know i wonder if you all have thoughts around like what it would mean to like put up really small localized monuments to to like black history in the region in the in a larger context of that i think (laughs) it's um the thing the thing with monuments is there's a big difference between documenting something um, and glorifying something. And with the removal of a lot of Confederate monuments, it's about removing the glorification of a horrible time in our country's history. It doesn't mean that we should not talk about that history. It's very important to make sure that people know and learn about history or you kind of get the erasure of of things. I mean, there was a story about the textbooks that said that African immigrants came to the United States for a, a better life and to work as indentured servants. And that's not true. You know, slavery is an ugly, horrible thing, but we can't forget that it happened because we'll start to repeat those patterns. I think putting up monuments um, around Appalachia, especially with more and more people coming into Appalachia for tourism, especially in like Wise and Dickinson counties, it's it's important for people to, to know that this wasn't just, you know, moonshine and coal mines, you know. Oh, oh there was a, a black population that lived here and there's a cemetery here not not in any way glorifying the cemetery or saying that it's bad but it existed um and I think that's important just for for history's sake for people to understand that these people existed or these things existed so I think it's a a good thing if we could get some not just for the cemeteries but just for you know all of the coal camps that existed that are no longer there and all of the communities there are entire communities all around Appalachia that don't exist anymore and I don't think they should be forgotten I mean I think um, I don't know William uh, spoke uh, as the keynote speaker at a at an event this morning um, and one thing that he said that really struck me was that um, 
that there are all these these schools, especially old black schools um, around Northeast Tennessee, at least, and I imagine they're they're elsewhere um, that were burned out. Um, and there's a lot of history of um, sort of arson and and other destructive means being used to do the erasing of of black culture in the mountains that leads us to the point where people can think that Appalachia was only ever white folks. Um, and I think cemeteries are one artifact of that culture and of that history that um, I think most people agree uh, are are sacred, right? I think um, a lot of people, even if they have um, uh, a lot of racist hatred in their hearts, uh, can understand um, cemeteries as as sacred or something. Um, I don't know. I'd, maybe that's a, a overreach um, and over empathizing with um, with with uh, bigots um, or, uh, or <laughs> racist. But um, I think I guess I think um, they're one place where we can sort of memorialize and 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 maybe m make up for some of the history and the the artifacts that have been lost over time, um, or or um, to to demonstrate that you know that the history is more complex than than it might appear if you um, if you if you look out on a, on on Appalachia and you don't see the black schools and you don't see the black churches or the black communities that were there or that um, that are still there and I mean I think that's that's a thing that I think is important for us to to talk about right now and to to show too is that there are um, there are still lots of black communities in Appalachia. Well, I could say something. Uh, so, so there's this guy. No, I'm just so. So there's this YouTube <coughs> comedy show. So I was watching haunted doll videos on YouTube, which is a thing. It's a thing. Wait, really? No, that's a thing. Google haunted dolls. But yeah. This is the thing that you actually watch. Yeah, I've watched <laughs> with Wheelie. <laughs> so uh I, I guess one of the things for me like i'm really particularly interested like in figuring out how to support you know all the tentacles of this project in whatever way is possible and i think the the oral history work with the chestnut grove cemetery is is part of that i think important work of fleshing out this full story and one of the struggles that I and I get I have a tendency to get stuck if it if something doesn't make sense I have to keep like researching and trying to figure out what happened and I think in Lee County with the Jonesville Cemetery uh, there were a lot of things that that did not make sense and that there was a, a sizable black population in Lee County prior to the Civil War. There were a lot of, there were a significant amount of slaves in Lee County. And that's something else that we're told is like, oh, the topography made slavery, you know, it didn't work because the topography, well, it's not true. Like there were slaves here and there were a good number of slaves. And so there, there were slaves in Lee County. And then you look at census records post-emancipation and there were very few black people in Lee County post-emancipation so what happened and what happened to the black community that was around this slave cemetery you know there should have been surnames equated that 
should still be in the county. But one of the things I started looking at was you back out, back away from the black community and look at the surrounding white community and look and see what was happening there. And what, what I found in reading was that Lee County was a Confederate stronghold. There were slave owners and it was a Confederate stronghold. It remained pretty much in the possession of the Confederacy until after the, the fall of the Cumberland Gap and then the Union come in and, and uh, booted out the Confederates. But then you also, I've, you also find in you know, 1915, 16, 17, there's group photographs of Confederate veteran reunions in, in Jonesville. It's like, okay. And then you find a report from this guy, T.E. Rose, and he said, uh, I guess it was 1869, he went to go investigate some atrocities that were being perpetuated against the black community there in Jonesville. Uh, uh, Some black people were having a party. A group of white guys came in, shot a woman in the stomach and killed her to break up the party. And in his report, it said basically black people were leaving Lee County as refugees. They were leaving with things on their back, and the neighbors had said that this clan, the clan in Lee County, was pushing the uh, black folks out of Lee County. So for me, it's trying to figure out like how to develop this narrative. It's with the Chestnut Grove Cemetery, you have people that are there, people who have family in that cemetery. The Jonesville Cemetery, we don't know where those people are, and it was so long ago, there's no one we can actually interview that says, oh, yeah, my granddad knows about that. And um, so there seems to be this break. You know, the black, black folks were driven out, potentially driven out of Lee County and then a new group of black folks came in with coal from Alabama, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee. Um, so that's that's my I think my role, particularly with the Jonesville Cemetery, is see how we can do with what the oral histories are going to do for the Chestnut Grove Cemetery. See if we can flush out some kind of story that makes sense. No, and I think that's really interesting to because. Because that's part of, like, the erasure of history is also that there's, at a certain point, there aren't any primary sources or even any secondary sources. So, like, how do you go about doing that work when there just isn't anything there? Mm. Which it sounds like you're in the process of trying to figure out. Yeah, and I think where we're, we're where it's at now is trying to figure out, like, go, getting into the Freedmen's Bureau records and seeing what the Freedmen's Bureau was really good about documenting some of the atrocities that occurred from specific geographies and and it's a it's a it's a trail that we're going down to try to figure out because I didn't see any of the free any of the the Jonesville people showing up in the in Withville or Roanoke or Bristol Freedmen's Bureau locations but a professor at UVA suggested they that these people, these refugees, may have went to Kentucky, and then it's a short leap across the mountain to Kentucky, um, and so that's kind of where the the trail for this particular story is is leading us. Hmm. That's interesting. 
Um, well, what what else should people know about this project or about this work? Uh, if people want to know more about what you all are up to, um, is there a way to find out? Or <laughs> um, maybe they should come listen to you all at the Appalachian Studies Conference. Or, you know, are there other projects that are similar that you could point people towards? It's fine if not. Or things that we missed that you were thinking about talking about before you came in that we didn't get to. I, I was wondering if you, Taryn, would talk some about why your grandma's uh, grave was moved. Uh, it's, I mean, it's okay if you don't want to talk about that whole, but I know you've done a lot of digging into that, no pun intended. Well, um, <laughs> all of us trying not to laugh at that one. <laughs> Keep that in mind. <laughs> My uh, grandmother and a few other graves were moved for um, the highway to come through. Um, there, It comes pretty close to the road, but actually there, there aren't any graves that would have been disturbed by the, the four-lane highway coming through Norton. Um, but the Department of Transportation was supposed to have moved graves. My uncle, my father's older brother, has said that my grandmother's grave should have been moved to Oakview Cemetery in Big Stone Gap, which is another um, predominantly black graveyard, but it's it's very well kept and, and still currently in use. Um, but there's no record of her there. I was told that it is possible that um, the Department of Transportation can actually just take either a shovel full or like a dozer full of dirt and say that the grave was moved without actually taking the casket out and moving it. Um, so I do suspect that my grandmother's grave is probably still in Chestnut Grove Cemetery. Um, that's something uh, that I'm hoping to find out. But yeah, there were there were a few graves that were supposedly moved. Um, one thing that I want to do is try to find the families of some of the other people that were supposedly moved from the cemetery and see if they know where um, their family members were moved to. Um, if not, then... I suspect that they may all still be in the graveyard. Well, and it, yeah, it's interesting thinking about what you were talking about with this, with um, with like mountaintop removal sites and and cemeteries, and thinking about the <laughs> the ways in which history in the mountains is shaped by extractive industries and development of roads. It's, been going on for a long time yeah i mean in in lee county the cemetery there's also been disturbed by road building i mean i think w when you asked w um if folks wanted to reach out or know more i think one thing is they could do is call the here at the apple shop and i'd be happy to talk to folks i'd especially be interested in um just making sure that cemeteries that aren't registered are registered and like willie was saying it's a fairly simple form and so 
Um, you know, I think since uh, we've been talking about this project just a little bit, I've, I've learned about two um, historically black cemeteries here in Letcher County, um, one over sort of on the Black Mountain side of things and one um, here closer to, to Whitesburg. And so, you know, I think is not a thing, um, is not a history that's confined to Virginia or to Tennessee or to Kentucky. Uh, and I think, you know, we have an interest in um, making sure that that basic protection of being registered is extended to um, black cemeteries throughout the region. And to the extent that um, that that I have time here at the shop, I'd be happy to, to receive calls um, or emails um, and, and to help folks register cemeteries if they're if they're not already. So at the very least, I feel like that's something that we can put out there at this point. Marley at appleshop.org. That's right. M-A-R-L-E-Y. A-P-P-A-L-S-H-O-P <laughs> dot O-R-G. <laughs> Thank Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's it for this special Martin Luther King Day edition of Mountain Talk, featuring William Isom, Taryn Young, Willie Dodson, and Marley Green, who shared stories about the work they're doing to register and document forgotten black cemeteries in southwest Virginia and to reshape narratives of central Appalachia. This program also includes this rendition of We Shall Overcome, recorded during the Martin Luther King Day March in Hazard, Kentucky, earlier this morning. If you'd like to listen to this or previous episodes of Mountain Talk again, you can find it on our website at www.wmmt.org. Or download Mountain Talk wherever you get your podcasts. I've been your host, Rachel Geringer, and from all of us at WMMT, thanks for listening.